Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is musician Kimberly Dawn, who has a new album coming out, Canyon Road, next week. You can go ahead and pre-order it right now on officialkimberlydawn.com. And we are talking all about the making of that album, her newest single, The Bottle, and how it really shines a light on mental illness and the importance of checking in on yourself, on your community, and admitting that, hey, sometimes we have bad days, and that's totally okay. We can get through it as long as we have each other and we have a strong foundation for ourselves. And even just admitting that, yes, those bad days happen, totally fine. We're also talking about Kimberly's worst gig that she ever played. And again, the, the power of being able to improvise and be flexible as a musician to get through those types of bad shows, the writing process, quarantine hobbies. And we're talking about being a mother of four and all of the great stuff that Kimberly is doing with that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can always shoot me an email as well, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Always love hearing from you. And if you're feeling real festive, why not head over to the Good People Cool Things merch shop, which is on the website. If you're listening on the website right now, you can just head over to shop. It'll stop this episode, but you can open up a second tab and then everything will keep going. Get yourself a hoodie, a hat, a t-shirt. There's lots of fantastic goodies there for you. And then cozy on up and listen to this episode with Kimberly. For people who don't know who Kimberly Dawn is, can you give us your elevator pitch? And then can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're on? Yes. So um, I am a country music artist and uh, I was born and raised up in Alberta, Canada. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I'm kind of back and forth from Los Angeles to Nashville right now, but I'm a country music artist. Do you remember the first song you heard where you were like, yes, I need to, I need to get into this industry? Um, you know what? I grew up singing in church when I was a little girl. And so I always loved music in general. And I listened to so many different genres because my mom was, by the way, an Elvis fanatic. And so it was like I grew up listening to Elvis Presley and Paul Anka and the Supremes. I mean, there were so many different genres of music. Um, that I, you know, listened to, but I would say when I heard Garth Brooks for the first time, um, I was like, whoa, what is this? Because country music wasn't something that I necessarily listened to or loved. I was like, okay, you know, I listened, you know, I listened to all genres, but I wouldn't say country music was one of those genres I listened to. And then all of a sudden this guy named Garth Brooks comes out and he's singing a song and I'm like, friends in low places. And it was like, well, who is this guy, you know? And that's kind of where, and that was like that 90s country. Um, and I fell in love with that 90s country sound. And then what, I think Shania Twain came out. Um, I loved Trisha Yearwood. Um, I loved uh, Reba. I mean, I started like listening to it. So it was like all these other elements of that country world and these musicians, artists that I now was listening to. And I was like, wow, I love this. I 
have recently heard Friends in Low Places. I I was just driving by uh, a bar and I had the windows down and I could just hear it emanating and like people singing along. I imagine they had their arms around each other. I'm sure. That's, that's what you do when that's, that song comes on. That's <laughs> That song is just a staple song for everyone. So it's great. But yeah. It really is. And so had you, were you already playing music at that point? Or was that just kind of when you started getting more into it? And then you're like, That's, wait, let me try and kind that, of. I mean, listen, I was probably in, I was young. I was maybe in middle school, like elementary school. You know, I was, I was young when I was like listening to that. So it was just kind of one of those moments where I really remember like really loving it. And as I got older, um, well, first of all, I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 18. So it was like, I came out to LA. I knew that I wanted to be in the industry in some way, shape or form. Um, so I was kind of, I was doing the acting thing. Um, I was still singing, but I was doing more like vocal training and doing all that. And then, um, so music was always still at the forefront of being a part of my life. Um, but I kind of was focusing more on acting than singing at that time. And then fast forward, I met my husband, we got married, I had all these babies. And um, all of a sudden, after my fourth child, I was like, wait, you know, I was somebody before I was married, you know, I had all these hopes and dreams too. And um, not that I didn't want to be a mom, being a mom was something I always wanted. But I just knew that I needed to also find myself again, because now it was like, yes, I'm a mom, and I'm a wife, and I'm doing all this other stuff. But I was somebody else before all of this and I needed to find myself. And um, so I started just kind of searching out, you know, what I wanted for me. And I started piano lessons at like 30. I took them when I was a little girl, probably like six, seven years old. And um, I said, you know what, I want to, I want to start taking piano lessons again. So I started taking piano lessons and just jumping back into the music that way. And then I started writing. And it's so funny because I look back at that time when I started writing, I was introduced to a producer and he put me with different writers and I started writing. I was always writing when I was a little girl. I would write poems. I'd write stories. I was, I love to tell stories and it all kind of came twofold. It kind of that 360 or whatever you call it. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, it's like, oh my gosh, I used to do this when I was younger. So it like just all kind of came to life again for me. And I, I do want to explore that because I think the songwriting process is always very, very yeah. interesting to yeah. chat about. But I have to ask, since you were out in LA for acting, obviously a big part of acting, especially when you're just getting started, are the auditions. Did you ever have a super strange audition that you had to go out for? Oh, gosh, I'm sure I did. Um, because, <laughs> because even back... In those days, it was like some, you know, um, you could get some people asking you to do weird things, you know, um, and obviously before the Me Too movement and all of that, you know, a lot of stuff has come out. Um, thankfully, I will tell you, I didn't have like a bad experience like that. Um, but the acting world kind of it was like I, I wanted to be in it. And then it was like, uh. I love music more. And so it's kind of, it was, and I'm glad that I was so passionate about music and I was able to just kind of realize acting isn't what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, in LA, you're driving all over the place to auditions everywhere. Now it's different because um, I have a daughter who does acting. A lot of it's now self-tape. So you just self-tape at home and send it in. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess my question was less strange experience and more just like strange or unique product that you were um, you were marketing because I think it's always so fascinating. I mean, I'll I I do not do acting, but as a writer, podcaster, like I'll get pitched things where I'm just like, I would have never even thought that would be a product, and yet like here I am being like, that's a pretty good idea. I w- I want one of these, so I think it's always always interesting just to kind of go down those roads and see like what's out there that people are trying to sell. You know what? I haven't, I, I didn't have any of those experiences where there's, I mean, I just remember sometimes it was like a dentist office and they want you to promote their dentistry. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, you know? Well, you do have very nice teeth. Well, so thank there you. you At a good the, orthodontist. Yes, yes. <laughs> Perfect for this audio yeah, podcast yes, exactly. to, to call that out. Yes. <laughs> so going back to the songwriting process, because you said you've been writing since you were little, love telling stories, which I think is a very important part of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can slap a few rhyming lines together, but to bring it all together with a story, I think is is a lot more impressive and I think leads to more impactful songs. So do you kind of have a seedling in your in your head when you start writing a song or is it just kind of, you just, you, you go in with no expectations, you just let the words take you? No, I usually have an idea. So like I have notebooks all over my house. I have them in my cars, you know, like in the car, I'll be on the side of, um, you know, on the side, I'll literally find like little notebooks that I've been writing ideas in. I have notes in my phone, literally in the middle of the night, I can wake up last week. This happened to me so much. I kept waking up in the middle of the night and I had these ideas and my husband's like, what's going on? It's like three, three 30 in the morning. I'm like, I have a song idea. I have to write it down because I learned early on those ideas go away. If I don't write them down, I forget it in the morning. So I have to like write it down. So I keep notebooks or my phone by the bed and, you know, throwing my ideas. And so usually when I go into like a writing session, um, I love to co-write. I love to write with other people just because I've learned that when more than one person, you guys have these different ideas and you literally can feed off of each other. But a lot of times, most of the time, I'll walk into a session with an idea of like, hey, I was kind of feeling this, you know, what are you thinking? Sometimes we write to that. Sometimes like a totally different idea comes up and I'm like, wait, 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 what about this? You know, and that happens too. Are those, uh, not outbursts, but those revelations in the middle of the night are those always lyrics or are they riffs sometimes too or like a beat where you're like wait i need to to capture that sometimes it's all of that so sometimes it's just like like an idea and i'm hearing like some lines for a song and i'm like oh i gotta write that down okay so i'll write it down and sometimes it's actually like i'm hearing melodically how i want it to be and so melodically sometimes and then it's like i'm singing into my phone kind of what i what i'm hearing so that i don't forget it Nice. Yeah, I I feel like I I'll get the the melodic stuff that just pops in my head. I'm like, oh, that could be a cool song, like little idea to think of. And it's always at an inconvenient time. It's always like out on a run, middle of the night, in the shower, or something like that. And I'm just like, why? Why can't you just come to me when I'm like? Do you write songs too? Do you write songs? Yeah, I play guitar. I love uh, it. in a band, and I just have yeah, same same sort of thing. Like I've been writing. Um, stories since I was, I don't know, five or six probably is, is when you could trace it back. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's to kind of 
bring that into music, I think is super fun. Although I would say most of my expertise lies in just writing stories and like reporting on stories. So but I love uh, it. That's certainly how, not as much. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, again, like obviously during the pandemic, a lot more time to, to sit and, and do things like that instead of uh, having gone out. So I think that segues nicely to your song, The Bottle, which uh, has a really nice message behind it of having a community and kind of like the the courage to speak out if maybe your mental health isn't 100% right mm-hmm. now. Obviously, this last year was bananas for all of us, and yeah. it still is uh, still is impacting people. Like We're certainly not in the clear despite what that bar playing friends in low places and, and plenty of other places around right. here may right. may lead us to believe. So mental health has, has always been something that's important to you, but can you talk specifically for the bottle, that kind of creation process and, and the message that you hope people get out of it? Yeah. I mean, so when, when I wrote the bottle, I wrote it with, um, um, a songwriter by the name of Jeff Cohen. And, um, it was the first time he and I actually had met and I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to write about. And, um, we just kind of sat down and, and the word just kind of flowed. I mean, the song, we wrote the song. I don't even know if it took us an hour to write it. It was one of those magic moments. Um, cause you don't get that all the time. And you know that it's, I mean, when that happens and it's happened a few times with me, but it's like when a song just kind of like is born and it just kind of comes out, it's, it's a very, um, it's therapeutic. First of all, it was very therapeutic for me. Um, but I just, this was actually a song too, that it's reminiscent to my life, my story, you know, and, um, talks about alcohol and, um, the struggle with it. And, um, when I was going to release a song as a single, I originally wasn't going to release it. I, I put it on the album and, and so it was going to be on the album, but, with everything that's happened in this past year, I felt like this song really could resonate with people um, because everybody is going through something. It doesn't matter, you know, we've all gone through something this past year. And I think, you know, this song really dives into mental health and being able to, you know, ask for help and know that it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to know you're not okay today. You're gonna have days where you're just not okay, and but you're not alone. And so I really hope that this song, when people hear it, um, and even so, like the music video I have with it, I um, partnered with NAMI, and um, and they're the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And um, the great thing with them is that, you know, there's a number of people can call. Um, they have people that are standing by to help. And I think a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, felt very alone. I mean, we're in our houses, we're not going out, we weren't seeing people and you feel very isolated, especially if you were living alone and you were, you know, not in a house with other people or I think the elderly. I look at a lot of the elderly and they felt so alone. They couldn't see anybody. Um, So I just, for me, and this is partly why I do music as well, is I want to help people. I want to, I want to help. I want to, whether it's a song that lifts you up during the day, cause you're having a hard day. And, and it's one of my songs like Nashville that gets you singing and gets you in a good mood or a song like the bottle where someone is able to be like, wow, you know what? I am struggling right now. I'm depressed. I'm whatever, whatever it may be and know that they're not alone 
that we all have gone through it. And even for me daily, it's still, you know, I still deal with my mental health daily. It's very easy for me to go down um, a tunnel, go down that rabbit hole um, and feeling depressed and sad. And there's so many things that can pull me down there. It's like I daily work on trying to stay happy and positive, but I also understand there's going to be days where I'm not having a great day and, and it's okay to say, you know what, I'm actually feeling very sad today. I'm having a hard day and it's okay. Yeah. I like to, to think of it as like the anti-Instagram effect of <laughs> real life is, is not always behind mm-hmm. a filter and, you know, very shiny and, well, I guess pictures aren't really shiny, but you know what I mean? Like very bright. and No, but uh, they, but Instagram, yeah. and I have said this so much too, Instagram, social media in general can paint a picture like, oh, their life is so perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. I mean, your life can be great and you're happy and, but everybody is going to deal with something in their life that's going to, you know, make them stop in their tracks and be like, whoa, like knock the wind out of you. I mean, everybody's going to, nobody goes through life without, um, without struggles. So I think it's important to, and I try to portray that, to be honest with you, even on my social media, like, even though my life might look like, oh, it's so great. No, I have my struggles and I actually talk about it. You know, I openly went on and did an Instagram live and I hadn't done one in probably, I don't know, five, six months. And I talked about the bottle and the meaning behind the bottle when I wrote it and what it was about. And so many people were kind of taken back because it's not something I've talked about. I haven't talked about, you know, that I struggled with alcohol. I I just, people know I don't drink, but I've never really discussed it or really talked about it. I've said like, yeah, you know, I I don't drink. I choose not to. It's just not something that I, you know, want to do. And it really, I think people were able to kind of feel like they knew me a little better and realize, oh, okay, she, she's struggled. She's had her struggles. Yeah. And I think that's something else interesting that the pandemic did because it did kind of create that feeling of isolation, like you were saying, especially if you were living alone, but then to see so many, in particular musicians that were either hosting these virtual concerts or doing things like that, like going on Instagram Mm -hmm. live or having kind of those intimate conversations, I think really helped sort of bridge the gap of not being able to go see shows, but almost like you got to know your fans and fans got to know their favorite musicians even better because of that, which is super cool. Yeah. And that's why I think even like I always said, you know, music is healing. Music heals people. It's, you know, whatever you're going through, I feel like music's so healing. So being able to, even though I wasn't able to do a lot of live shows, I wasn't at all last year, you know, being able to go on Instagram and actually, you know, do an Instagram live and do a virtual show or a virtual show on Facebook, however it was done. You know, I was grateful I got to do that because I saw how it helped people. It just made people feel like, oh my gosh, music brings people alive. It's just something about it, right? Yes, yes, 100%. And there, it, it is also very impressive just to see with a song when people interpret it in different ways of like, oh yeah, I think it's like that. I think it's like that. And then to hear from the creator, like this is what I was feeling when I wrote it, but like you can certainly have your own interpretation on it. And I think that's something that is really hard for a lot of other art forms to pull off. Right. And that's what I actually even love about the bottle because 
different people have told me how it resonates with them, like what they get from the song. And it isn't necessarily a struggle with an addiction. It could be that they lost somebody. And they're so they're listening to the words and the words definitely talk about loss and struggling, you know, so I love it that other people are getting a different um, meaning from it and, and how it resonates with them. And I and I appreciate that so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know you had talked about quarantine and being alone. But I think what was also exciting during quarantine was how many hobbies popped up from it. So did you start any fun quarantine hobbies? I'm trying to think, did I start any fun quarantine? <laughs> I, well, I don't know if this is a hobby, but puzzles. We were doing okay, so yeah, many puzzles absolutely. and that was really fun. I mean, you know, sitting down in just hours of like sitting down and making puzzles. And by the way, they're not easy. The ones that we were ordering <laughs> were like hard, like 5,000 pieces and like Ooh. tiny. And I'm like, really? But it, it's so satisfying when you're finished with that puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me ask you a puzzle-related question because yes. I have encountered this within the household. How long after you complete a puzzle do you keep it intact? Okay, so we have a hard time actually dismembering these puzzles. So we have one that we started. It's probably been eight months since it's still, we have not destroyed that puzzle. But it took forever to do it. So it's like we still have it. It's like, a, it's probably, it's big. It's a big puzzle. It was one of those... Um, <laughs> What was it? We got it on Amazon and it it literally was like all these different TV shows that used to be on. It goes every, everywhere back from like the 60s to 70s, 80s, and then some in the 90s. So there was a lot of, you know, but yeah, we still haven't taken it down. It's been, it's been up for probably eight, eight, nine months. Is it, is it at a place where you, like, is it on a table that it you is. use It is, it's on normally? a coffee table. Yeah. It's sitting right there. And then so actually our little puppy, she, I don't know how she got a hold of it, but she did. And she ripped a little bit of the piece off and we're like, wait, what happened to the piece of the puzzle? You know, so we're very protective of the puzzle. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> so that makes me feel a little better because there's been similar situations here, but I also am not as good at puzzles. Uh, so I, I will let, let the other folks handle it. Yeah, and I, hear you. I will, I will just admire from afar. And try that. not to spill a drink on it, like my, my water when I take yes, a sip and put it down. Not based on a true story or anything, but it's always <laughs> a risk with, with the table being out there. That's right. That's right. So that I would say that's the gist of my hobby that I probably started doing, you know, because I was writing a lot too. I was doing a ton of Zoom writes. So that was keeping me very busy over the pandemic. How do these Zoom writes work? Because I feel like I've heard a few different ways that people have done this. So how do yours work? So um, I will tell you in the beginning doing Zoom rides, it was like, okay, it, I felt like the creativity was still there. But then after I have to tell you about five, six months, it was like, it was hard because it's, there's an energy you get when you're in the room with people and you're writing and you're, it's just, it's an energy. You're not getting that energy from a computer. It's just different. You know, um, but I, I mean, listen, we wrote some great songs. I wrote some great songs with different um, artists and writers throughout the pandemic. And I'm excited about recording some of those songs, too. But it's just a different, you know, I'm happy to be able to be in person again and actually be writing in person with people. Yes, it is very nice to to see people and be 
because you're right it is that that type of energy and i think that translates to live shows as well which yes Hopefully you're getting back out in 2021, getting to do some live shows. Yeah, I just actually had one on Memorial Weekend, um, which is great. It was fun too. And this time it was like a, my full band. So being able to have like a full band and, you know, a great show. And it was fun. They had fun. For most of them, it was their first show, like like a live show like that with everybody um, since the pandemic. So it was really fun and, and you could feel that energy in the crowd and people were so excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. To, I have not been to a live show since 20, I mean, 2019. So I am excited. I've got a few, few planned coming up and then our That's band's exciting. playing one in August. So I'm very excited. I'm, it's always I'll exciting lie. to get yeah. out there and be playing. I agree. And I also have to ask this because I always love hearing these stories, but what's the worst gig that you've ever played? Um, the worst gig. Oh gosh. I mean, listen, I've played at some dive bars, <laughs> like literally in the pouring rain. I can think of one. It was like literally in Hollywood and it was like on a November and it was like pouring, pouring rain. And anyway, long story short, my guitarist that I had playing with me was in like an acoustic set. His guitar string broke in the middle of it. Uh, I mean, it was like, it was like everything you could imagine kind of went wrong. I mean, listen, it was pouring rain. So people like just trying to get in there were like drenched. And I think I had probably 10 friends that came. But <laughs> let me tell you, that bar was so happy that I had 10 friends there because it was my 10 friends that were in the bar. That was it the whole night. So um, anyway, but yeah, there's there's been obviously, actually this last show that I had, um, five minutes before I went on, the sound engineer came over to me and said, I'm so sorry, but something happened and we lost all your settings. So oh, no. everything from the sound check, <laughs> we had literally an hour and a half sound check, was gone. <laughs> so we winged it. <laughs> did it work out? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, everyone said it sounded good. I'm like, all right, I can't. And, and I couldn't hear myself. I had my... my um, my uh, ears in and I literally mm. come out to sing my first song and couldn't even hear myself. So I ripped out one of them and um, I was like, okay, this is how it's going to go. We're just going to do this. So it all worked out. I had fun. Yeah. You know what? If that's, you're having fun, thing. I learned that early on. If you have fun, the audience is going to have fun. You just got to have fun. Yes, have fun and and don't act like things are going wrong. Exactly, are, you got to just kind no of play it off. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I think that's a, a skill that is important for for really any performer, but especially musicians. It's just the ability to roll with things because, like you said, things are going to go wrong sometimes. Maybe you have a real sunny day and then it just starts pouring rain like ten you minutes beforehand, and you're like, "Well, all right, we're going to roll with it." Yeah, so you just got to roll with it. Yes. Take an improv class or two if you need to. And then I love that. I love that. that. <laughs> now, something that I like to ask on the show is a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And for yours, it's why did you start singing? And I feel like you've touched on this a little bit, but, but why? Why do you want to share music with people? You know what? So growing up, music was really like got me through like my teenage years through 
any difficult times, it was always music. So for me, and I would listen and I listen to lyrics. So I'm a lyrical girl. I definitely like listen to, to lyrics and, and, and it just like, it's empowering to me. So for me, I was like, you know what, that's what I want to do. I, so honestly, when I write songs, I think about, I think about that. Like, how will this resonate with someone? How will they feel when they hear this song? Listen, all my songs are not going to be rainbows and butterflies. You know, there's going to be heavy stuff, you know, but I hope that people, when they listen to it, it just, it helps them. It may, it in some way, shape or form. I really do. I just want to help. So that's the reason why I do music. Cause I think it's healing. Like I said to you earlier, you know, I think music is so healing. I joke around to people and I tell them, listen, if we all just communicated in song, there would be no wars. Life would be great. <laughs> we just sing to each other, you know? I, I mean, I agree. I think I always, <laughs> I always enjoy uh, a good song conversation. I don't think a lot of people partake, but yes. We'll yeah. work on it. We'll work yeah. on grinding them down. I love and it. I love it. Yes. It'll, love be, it. it'll be our mission. Um, so we're, we're basically at the halfway point. Uh, I think when this episode goes live, it will be basically, yeah, it'll be like the week, first week of July. So Perfect. halfway through the year, what is coming up for you in the second half of 2021? Well, on July 9th, my first country album is being dropped. So it will be Ooh. released on July 9th. And I'm very excited about that. Um, so, and, and for the first time I'm going to have a vinyl, so I'm very excited about that too. I've never had anything on vinyl. So now I have an album (laughs) on vinyl. Um, I'll be heading out to Nashville actually that first week in July. I'm going to be there because the album's dropping, but also I'm recording some new music. So I'm excited about that too. Um, always working on new stuff, you know, always want to be doing that. And then honestly, I'm hoping to you know, I'm taking a little vacation after the album drops. I, I need a little vacation. So well I'm deserved. Gonna, yes, I'm going to yes. do that. <laughs> um, but then I'm really wanting to get out and be playing shows. You know, I'm hoping this year, um, I've definitely played a few this year already, but I want to get more shows in and be able to get out there. I want to, you know, meet my fans and meet people and just, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. I love people. So, you know, it, this last year is hard for me. No, not being able to hug people was like, so hard for me. I think the first time I got to hug a friend, like finally get to hug him, I started crying because I was, it was such a like, wow, I, I need, I need that physical touch, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think I had the same reaction where I was just like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. Right. And I actually want to, um, I'm going to be working on um, a Christmas album. So I haven't, I haven't, I've put out a Christmas album before, but I want to um, do that again. So what is your favorite Christmas song, either traditional or outside the box? Well, okay. Outside the box, I'm going to say Last Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I, wham, I just love that song. <laughs> I just do. Um, but I also love, um, I love Silent Night. I just think there's something so beautiful about that song. And I just, it's one of my all-time favorites. Good choices. Good choices. I do randomly get Last Christmas stuck in my head, like even it's, throughout the year. It's one of those songs. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> wham certainly knew how to how to write a catchy tune. they sure did oh my goodness did they ever <laughs> all right well you're almost off the hook but as you mentioned at the top of the show you're a mom of four children which yes. it's a it's a lot of children and <laughs> there's you know a lot going on 
I, I know parents with one kid who are like, it feels like I have four. So I don't know if that exponentially multiplies. We're having four. It feels like you have 16. Probably not. But <laughs> I always like to wrap up with the top three. And I thought you could give some advice, your top three tips for having four kids and keeping them all happy. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's challenging in itself, right? Because every child is so different. So I have four different personalities. And so trying, you know, what works for one doesn't necessarily always work for the other. But one of the, um, something that I've learned, it took me a while to get there, um, is that with kids, they are all so different. You have to, based on whatever they're going through. So all kids are going to go through angst or whatever as teenagers, okay? What works for one is not going to work for the other. So the advice that I'm going to give to one, it's not going to be the same. And I've learned that because it's like, you think it worked for this one, and then you try to work, say the same thing to another one. They're looking at you like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make, you know? So you got to just, each child is different. um, And so you want to treat them, you know, according to, you know, their little different personalities. Um, I'd also say they all have their own different passions too. So I've never wanted to ever push like what I do on my kids, like, oh, mom sings. So you guys all need to take vocal lessons. You guys all need to sing and be in music. Um, They all find their way on what they're passionate about. I did have them all take piano lessons when they were younger. And I just, I think that's important if you can have your kids learn some, some kind of music or at least introduce it to them, they'll decide if they want it. Um, and it's interesting because my kids all love music and they all can play the piano and, but I'd say probably two of the, at the four actually play it all the time. Like they love to sit down and play and it's just really nice to hear that. Um, you want me to give you one more, huh? Yeah. (laughs) I know it's a, this might be the biggest curveball of all. Yeah, no, but, um, the other thing is, is accept them the way they are. Don't try to change them. You know, we can all, you know, no kid likes to be judged, just like we as adults, right? We don't ever want to be judged. And when we feel judged, what happens? We, you know, our walls go up, you know, just there's so many things that happen. So accept them for the way they are. You know, we don't always have to agree with their choices and what they do, but all we need to do is love them. So that's, the other thing is just no matter what, we love them no matter what. That's our job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Top three complete. Kimberly, you're officially off the hook. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for chatting. If people want to learn more about you, what you've been doing with uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and hear your new music, your new album coming out next week. <laughs> Yes, it's coming out so when, soon. By the time this drops, yes, yes. next week. Um, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on all my socials at Official Kimberly Dawn, but you can even go to my website, officialkimberlydawn.com. You can pre-order the album still. Um, you know, get it on vinyl. Who doesn't love vinyl? Yeah. And with the vinyl, you get a free download anyway to, to download the album. But um, I'm also on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, so I'm all over the place. So follow me. Fantastic. (laughs) Yes. Go out and follow, go get the album and enjoy music that really for all moods, like you were saying, you got got your happy and cheerful and you got your 
you're gritty that we need sometimes. And so we it's all great that. stuff all around. And thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat. Thank you for having me. This is great. I appreciate it. And we got to end, as always, with a corny joke. And I, I hope, <laughs> I, I don't think I've told this one before. Once, once you get several episodes, sometimes I forget uh, if I've told these, but I think this is a new one. But what do you call a sleeping T-Rex? What do you call a sleeping T-Rex? A dino snore. <laughs> get after it today, people. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. As always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.